Hi, and welcome to the Little Ferraro Kitchen Food Show. I am Samantha with the Little Ferraro Kitchen. I'm a food blogger, a cookbook author, and a cooking instructor. On this show, we'll be talking all about weeknight cooking, recipes, fun ingredients. Basically, if you love cooking and love talking about food, this is the place to be. Welcome back to the Little Ferraro Kitchen Cooking Show. My name is Samantha Ferraro, your host. And if you love talking about food and love cooking as much as I do, you are in the right place, so don't go anywhere. Before I get into this week's foodie topic, I always like to share a little bit about what we've been cooking in our kitchen this week. And we have been obsessed with making caramelized onions and putting them on absolutely everything we can. Why haven't I done this? It's been years since I've made caramelized onions. And I had this fun intention of making a French onion soup. And if you're familiar with French onion soup, it's basically caramelized onions until they are incredibly sweet and jammy. And then you add a beef broth. And then you top the soup with some toasted bread and some Gruyere cheese or some kind of like melty, nutty, yummy cheese. And the top of the cheese gets broiled and everything in one bite is just absolutely fantastic. It's this crispy bread with this creamy, melty, nutty cheese and the savory, sweet soup. Not really sweet, but those caramelized onions do offer a sweetness. And I had this lovely idea and all these different cheeses I was going to put on top of it. Well, that didn't happen. But I did make a big batch of caramelized onions. And if you haven't made caramelized onions in a while, I am here to inspire you to make a batch and keep them in your fridge. All you have to do is take some sweet white or yellow onions. I probably wouldn't do red onions in this case. I feel like nice Vidalia sweet onions or white onions, yellow onions would be perfect. And I slice them really thin. So I'll cut them in half, slice them really thin, and then I add them all to a wide Dutch oven or a wide skillet. And you want a wide skillet so it gives more surface area for the onions. I add a little oil, a little butter, because I like the flavor of both of them. And they also help in creating a higher smoke point for the onions, because the thing with caramelized onions is that you are cooking them for a period of time. So once you have your wide skillet, you add your onions, your oil, and your butter, I put the heat to about a medium, not not high, so maybe medium, maybe medium high, and I just give everything a good start. I salt and pepper everything, I take a spoon and I mix everything together, and I just let it go kind of low and slow, so about medium heat, and for the first 10 to 15 minutes, I will put a lid on, and what that does is it creates a moisture to break down the onions a little bit quicker. Some recipes will say to add sugar to to it. I don't find that you need to. I feel like if you have the time and if you maintain that medium heat, you're going to get some beautiful caramelized onions. So you have that heat on, you have that lid on, cook it for about 10 minutes, give it a stir every so often, and you're going to see your onions begin to transform. The onions will go from a kind of a hearty, crisp texture, and then as that moisture starts to evaporate, they will soften and change color. And the longer you cook them, the darker, the deeper, the sweeter, the jammier your onions will get. So just give it time. And about at the 10 to 15 mark, I'll take the cover off. I'll see what color they are at this point. They should be kind of like a deep yellow, not brown yet, but maybe a deep amber, deep yellow color. And then I'll just let them go. I'll continue stirring them. I might increase the heat. I might lower the heat just depending how fast they are cooking. 
and then I just let them go and I continue sauteing them, continue moving them around the pan until they get a incredibly deep, deep brown color. Now this is not burnt. You might have some parts of it that are a little bit more darker or burnt than others, but that's okay because as you stir it around, all that moisture that you created is going to lift that almost a fond, which we'll talk about later, right off and give you so much great flavor. And at the 40 to 50 minute mark, what you should see is the onions transform into this beautiful jammy and deep, dark, sweet onion mixture. And then from there, you're done. So you can taste it and determine how sweet they are. They should have absolutely no hard texture. They shouldn't have any undercooked onion. Everything should just be really sweet and just really palatable. And this is the stage that you want to make your French onion soup. If you were to make French onion soup, you want them incredibly sweet, incredibly soft. Because when I have a French onion soup, honestly, the last thing I want is to bite into a piece of hard undercooked onion. You want everything to just be incredibly soft. But the funny thing is, we did not even make French onion soup. Instead, I took that batch of caramelized onions and I put them in a container and added them to a multitude of different recipes that we had during the week. They hold up really well and they are so delicious that they won't even last that long in your house, I promise. You'll just go through them as quickly as we did. But what we added them to was to breakfast sandwiches and to grilled cheese sandwiches, to our eggs in the morning. And it is such a fantastic addition to any recipe that you would make. It just gives an additional savory savory sweetness. And I also had this idea to make a French onion dip. So add it to some sour cream or maybe a little yogurt mixed in. And I think that would be absolutely delicious. Now on to this week's topic, we are talking all about building flavors with one pot meals. I have been making a lot of one pot meals recently, and it's really fun to experience the flavors that you can build in just one pot. It's all about layering flavors and knowing when things cook and how long different proteins and vegetables and ingredients cook for. Now, when I think of making a one-pot dinner, or really any dinner in general, I always want to have a protein, a vegetable, and a carb of some sort. Now, with one-pot cooking, that might be hard to get all three to cook at the same time, but at least getting two of the three, so a protein and a vegetable, or a protein and a carb, or even a vegetable and a carb, to me, creates a satisfying, complete meal. But in order to do that, it's good to know how to cook in layers and how to build flavor in one pot. And to do this, you need to know how different vegetables or proteins cook, how long something might cook for. That way, everything is done at the same amount of time. So you can do this in a number of ways. So a classic one pot dish that I always think of is a one pot chicken and rice, for instance. I have a recipe like this on my website where I cook chicken, rice, and chickpeas in the same pots. And I actually have a very similar one in my cookbook where I do uh, the same, well, very similar recipe, but with orzo. The great thing about cooking with chicken is that you can take advantage of that chicken skin to build really good flavor and fat. So what I like to do is I take some skin on chicken parts. Usually I do a bone-in chicken because a bone-in chicken will just give it so, so much more flavor. And what I like to do is I like to sear that skin in a nice hot pan with a little oil until the skin renders that fat and becomes golden brown. Now, once you do this, you're doing a few things. You're rendering the fat that you can use for your aromatics, but also you're creating something called fond, 
which also builds great flavor. So once that chicken skin is nice and seared, the chicken will take a while to cook. So all we're doing is building flavor. So we're only rendering that fat on the outside. I take the chicken out of that pan. And now in the pan, you have this beautiful uh, chicken fat, this beautiful glowy hue of chicken fat. Now from here, you are going to add even more flavor. So you're adding all your aromatics in there. You're adding shallots or onion or garlic, and you're sauteing that into that fat, which is giving flavor and also giving you fat to saute everything in. For the chicken and rice dish that I just mentioned, you can also add your rice, or if you have orzo, you can add that to the fat as well. And what this is going to do is give you even more flavor. So you're toasting that beautiful rice or orzo in that chicken fat just for a few minutes until the rice gets a nice nutty flavor. So now you're adding a little bit more of a toasty, nutty note to your rice and to your entire dish. Once that part is done, then you can add your chicken back in. If you have any vegetables that are chopped up, you can add that back in as well. And then you want to pour in enough stock to just barely cover the chicken, not even all the way, just so you can see that very top skin. And then you can either pop in the oven or finish it on the stovetop. And the entire dish will finish cooking at the same time. Your rice will be perfectly cooked. The chicken will be just cooked through because I know that everything will take about 20 to 25 minutes in total for everything to cook. Another one pot dish, and I've talked about this dish a million times because it's one of my favorites, is a really good classic short rib. So we're doing the same thing where we're building flavor. We're going to sear this meat into some oil and that's creating some fat. And then you're also going to use that fat to saute your vegetables, but here's a little bit different. We're going to add some more flavor in the form of a liquid. So you created that beautiful fond, all those meaty bits in there. And now you want to pour in a wine or stock or even water to deglaze that. And that's creating even more flavor. Now with something like short ribs that take hours and hours to cook, I might think about adding a really hearty vegetable that can handle that period of time in cooking. So this is a great opportunity to add some really chunky carrots or some chunky sweet potato or potatoes or some really big florets of cauliflower would be really good. But something that's really soft, such as peas, would cook way too quickly. So whenever you are thinking of cooking a one-pot meal, think about how long that protein is going to cook for and what kind of other vegetables you can add that can handle that time of cooking. Another favorite one-pot chicken recipe is my weeknight chicken tagine. Now, instead of making a chicken with carbs, I'm doing chicken and vegetables for this recipe to make a complete meal. So for this recipe, I'm using a tenderizer in the form of preserved lemons. Now, if you're not familiar with preserved lemons, I definitely suggest looking for them. I do have a recipe on how to make them, but basically preserved lemons are salted lemons that have been preserving for a period of time. And what happens happens to the lemons is that they become incredibly fragrant and soft and they're great to add to a multitude of recipes and you can add the entire lemon and it's just such a flavorful addition to a recipe. 
If you can find organic Meyer lemons or even organic just regular lemons at your stores whenever they're in season, I suggest buying a bunch and making your own because they're so easy. It's really just a teaspoon of salt and I cut the lemon, I put it in a jar and then I just let it sit on the counter and then put it in the fridge for a period of time. But I am seeing preserved lemons at grocery stores all over. If you are local to Bellingham, Mediterranean Specialties definitely has preserved lemons and really most grocery stores do as well. So if you can find a jar, bring one home, try it out, and let me know what you think. If you cannot find preserved lemons, that's totally fine. I would suggest using one whole lemon, the zest of one whole lemon, and the juice as well. And for this recipe, I do something very similar to the other chicken and rice recipe, but I marinate the chicken in some chopped up preserved lemon, and then I add some really bold spices of turmeric and a little cinnamon and a little bit cumin. And I just let everything meld together until it's a beautiful hue. And then I do the same thing. I sear the chicken skin until it's a nice golden hue and there's nice rendered chicken fat in the pan. I'll remove that from the pan and then use that fat to saute my vegetables. So in this case, I'm using some sliced onion and some sliced carrots. But really, at this point, you can use zucchini or eggplant would be really delicious. And then I just layer that chicken back in. I top it with some olives and some dried fruit. I pour in some vegetable or chicken stock just to give it some moisture to finish cooking. And then that's it. It creates the most beautiful sauce. It's a very filling meal. There's lots of flavors going on. And if you want to make another dish, you can serve it with couscous or with rice on the side. Another category of one-pot cooking can also mean sheet pan recipes, which I love because it usually means I put everything on the sheet pan, I pop it in the oven, I roast it for a period of time, and dinner is done. And I usually might add a side salad or some toasted pita bread or naan bread or a nice baguette on the side. But this usually makes dinner so incredibly easy in about 30 minutes. But the one tip I do have is that with sheet pan recipes, you also have have to know how how long certain things cook and in what period of time so that everything is finished at the same time. An example I'm thinking about is, let's say you want to make a roasted cauliflower and salmon sheet pan recipe, which is totally doable. You just have to know how to prep your vegetables, how to prep your salmon so everything cooks at the same time. So if I wanted to make a cauliflower and salmon sheet pan recipe, I would first think about how thick my salmon pieces are. So if they're pretty thick, I would say one to two inches, you definitely have some cooking time in there, but I still wouldn't cook it any more than 10 to 15 minutes. If your salmon is on the thinner side, I might think about using a softer vegetable that can cook that quickly, such as kale or snap peas or even zucchini. But if you wanted to do cauliflower, well, you can cook cauliflower in about 20 minutes, but I would suggest cutting your cauliflower into pretty small florets so that everything cooked at the same time. But on the other hand, if you had thicker salmon, you can use your cauliflower in bigger pieces. And if you had chicken instead, well, chicken parts usually take about 20 to 25 minutes to cook. So you could probably cut your cauliflower in about small to medium pieces and everything should cook at the same time. 
Another easy sheet pan dinner idea could be sheet pan chicken fajitas. So for this, you would use sliced bell peppers and onions, and then I would use chicken tenders or chicken breasts that I cut into thinner strips. And then you can toss everything in some really flavorful spices, such as cumin and paprika and onion and garlic powder. Give everything a good dousing with olive oil, pop it in the oven, and in about 20 minutes, you have dinner. Just warm up some tortillas tortillas and dinner is ready. So as long as you understand how long certain vegetables and certain proteins take to cook, you can have a wonderful one pan or sheet pan dinner done at the same time, minimal cleanup with big flavor. It wouldn't be a one-pot episode without talking about a classic roast chicken with potatoes. And what I love so much about roast chicken is that it's so easy to prepare. All I like to do is get a whole chicken. I pat it dry very well. And then you can season it with a compound butter or just some herbs, olive oil, salt, and pepper. And you can make this in a roasting pan or a Dutch oven or even a sheet pan as long as it has some kind of high sides to it. And then from there, I like to add some cubed potatoes. So I like to cut the potatoes. I leave the skin on, cut them in about one inch cubes. Or if you have small potatoes, I cut them in half or into quarters. And then I do the same thing with other hearty vegetables, such as carrots and onions. I might throw in some whole garlic cloves as well. If you are using citrus, such as lemon, I cut that in half or into quarters, throw that on. And then I just roast everything for about 45 minutes to an hour until your chicken is 165 internal temperature. And then dinner is done. It's so easy. Everything is done in one pan. And it creates a multitude of recipes after that. So after I roast a chicken, I use the bones for chicken stock. I render the fat to use for really anything. And then I like to add those beautiful flavored potatoes for breakfast the next morning. So really, once you roast a chicken, you have a week's worth of dinners <laughs> right after that. And I will include a recipe for my favorite roast chicken. But it's really a classic one-pan recipe. I throw any hearty vegetables in there, sweet potatoes, butternut squash. I just throw it in and let it go. And it always comes out absolutely fantastic. I hope some of these ideas gave you inspiration to try a one-pot cooking recipe. And if you haven't, or if you have any questions, let me know. I'm always here to help you through your cooking journey. I love learning about what other people are cooking in their kitchens. And as always, I will link to some of the recipes that we talked about in the show notes. And if you have any cooking questions or want to share what you've been cooking in your kitchen, you can find me all over social media. I am on Facebook at Little Ferraro Kitchen. I am on Instagram at Ferraro Kitchen. And of course, you can head to my website for more recipe inspiration at littleferrarokitchen.com. Happy cooking, and I will see you in the kitchen next time.